the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Great to be with you today. We've got some great interviews uh, later on in the program, but I'm opening the show today. You know, we do the What You Need to Know, the Daily Wink. Go to ProAmericaReport.com. You can sign up there for the email that goes out every morning and also to follow a lot of these great interviews. But I thought I'd open today, as I sometimes do, a little bit rarely, with a guest during the wink. And uh, John Schlafly joins me. You know him as one of the uh, one of the authors of the weekly Schlafly Report with his brother Andy, and we often talk about that. But today, it's kind of with a, well, I guess it's a mixed uh, heart. We come, I asked him on to speak about Helen Marie Taylor. Helen Marie Taylor uh, uh, was, sadly, she passed away last night, was the longtime uh, board member of Phyllis Schlafly's Eagles, of, of her work, the Phyllis Schlafly work. They were friends for decades and decades. She was, Helen Marie Taylor was born in Waco, Texas, but spent a lot of her life and her family's um, uh, lineages in Virginia, um, and just an extraordinary woman um, who died, as I mentioned, uh, just on um, Tuesday night, I guess, and uh, with her family around her, uh, incredible life. So, John, welcome, and sorry for this news. You and I both knew Helen Marie well, visited her, visited her last year, had a wonderful time with her, and she was, I guess she was 90, I can't do the math, she was six months older than Phyllis Schlafly, who was born in 1924. I guess she was born in 23, um, so she had just turned 98 is that right? 97. She just turned 97 uh, a few months ago. So, John, welcome back to the program. How are you? I'm, I'm, I'm good, Ed. And uh, yes, Helen Marie Taylor was a great lady, a grand lady um, of American history and of conservatism. Uh, and she was well, well known in the 1980s, particularly during the Reagan administration, but had made great contributions over decades. Well, and, and her life, extraordinary life, Helen Marie Taylor's are talking about our, she's a board chairman of the Phyllis Schlafly Eagles and just an extraordinary woman, as, as John said, for the last, say, 35 or 40 years, maybe 50 um, of her 97 years active in conservatism when she was just a girl. She girl as she graduated uh, high school and went off to college and then ended up in London studying to be an actress. And the photographs, John Schlafly and I were visiting Richmond, Virginia, where she was been living these last decades of her as a 22 year old, 23 year old acting on the stage in London. And I had a, she had a successful career. Um, she mentioned last I guess two weeks ago that she had um, uh, knew Charlton Heston when he was just a kid uh, and she was a young uh, uh, kid. So she had this extraordinary life. But as you mentioned, John, she cared a lot about America and she put that into practice in lots of ways. What's your sort of reflection on how she did that? You know, some people are the leader of the band. Uh, some people are politicians and all. Helen Marie had a distinct role in this. What do you th- what, tell me about what your thoughts are? Well, of course, she was inspired by her own personal heritage. She was a cousin of of two presidents from Virginia, Zachary Taylor and James Madison, who were cousins of each other. And uh, with that, uh, as a starting point, she supported 
American history and the history of our country and of our Constitution uh, in many different ways. And that's probably what led her to Phyllis and Phyllis's organization. Um, she did found, actually, uh, served as the president of the James Monroe Foundation, James Madison Museum. In lots of ways, she uh, fought for uh, the the um, uh, the Madison legacy in and around Orange, Virginia, where she was from. She also helped fund lots of the early uh, startup organizations, Heritage Foundation in the 70s and others. Um, it's the, the interesting thing is someone like her, she had a sense of history um, that when you watch people tear down statues and uh, try to disentangle from history, you kind of, it's kind of who she, it's what she breathed and it filled her life. And, you know, even down to the last couple of years, she was fighting against people taking down statues in her, in her now hometown of Richmond, Virginia. Um, But she just had a way of understanding the, the value of history and the goodness of it. That was pretty extraordinary. Yes, that's true. And um, she was, you know, I should point out, she was inclusive about, Statues, that's a word that has a couple of different meanings, but uh, of course, it was very sad that she witnessed the taking down of statues in front of her home. She lived on the Grand Boulevard in Richmond, where those statues are. But, you know, 30 years earlier, she was a strong supporter of adding to the statues, uh, you know, don't, don't stop with the Confederate generals, but add Statues of Arthur Ashe, for example. Yeah. Arthur Ashe, the great uh, black tennis player. Uh, so they created a pediment and added a statue to be inclusive on Monument Avenue. But of course, in the you know last year and this year, that wasn't good enough for the people who want to remake America. All of the old history has to be destroyed in their view. And it was very sad that Helen had to see that. Um, after she had done so much in her life to remember our history. Uh, we're talking with John Schlafly about uh, the great Helen Marie Taylor, who uh, also she founded a museum in Waco. Her family had a history in Waco. Uh, she was born and raised there, but her, her mother and grandmother, her family had been there for a long time and founded a museum, the Helen Marie Taylor Museum of Waco History, which is extraordinary. John and I have also been there and toured that. Um, it is interesting you know, when I was with her about a oh, five years ago in Richmond, we went to the Capitol and she took great um, joy in showing the, you know, the famous statue of uh, George Washington that's there. One of the uh, I think they say the best likeness of him that's actually ever been depicted and uh, all sorts of other things. But um, also, uh, as you point out, um, the famous African-Americans that are honored in that gallery there and all these kinds of things. There was in that it's hard to describe. There was in uh, 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 Helen Marie Taylor and say people like her. I don't know what that means uh, in a way, but a sort of respect for everybody, even when you disagreed, it was sort of almost uncouth to be unpleasant about who you disagreed with. I I don't know how to say that, but you know what I mean? Maybe it's Southern gentility. I don't know. I, but it's a, she, it was a very, um, very, uh, uh, not judgmental. You know what I'm saying, John? Uh, Yes, and maybe that comes from the the early couple of years that she was in the theater, because that's a different world to many of us. But uh, uh, but and then, of course, in her later years, she was a tremendous supporter of uh, well, what back in the nineteen eighties uh, was 
called the religious right. The, the leaders in then were Pat Robertson and Jerry Falwell, whom Helen Marie Taylor knew personally and worked with and supported, as well as Ronald Reagan. And President Reagan appointed Helen Marie Taylor to be an ambassador to an agency of the United Nations. Uh, so she carried the title of ambassador. It was a small agency, but the, she got to know Alan Keyes, who was right. the other person appointed to that agency. And she and Alan Keyes became great friends. And, um, you know, some of your older listeners, Ed, will remember the great Alan Keyes, the great orator himself. You know, they talk about President Reagan being the great communicator, but Alan Keyes is one of the great orators of the 20th century America, and uh, he's just astounding, and uh, he's been off the stage for the last few years, but a great leader of conservatism, uh, and um, anyway... Well, and, 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 you know, by the way, uh, Alan Keyes, I'll give this plug. He also was the originator at his time and service of the Mexico City uh, policy, the, the, the trying to defund uh, dollars spent overseas. Uh, but that might be the story of Helen Marie Taylor. If you and, and as you know, John, the last, say, decade of her life, we'd have meals and, and do things. If you pulled the string, she knew everybody. I mean, she knew everybody. She had a story about everybody. And, and it's, I, I, you know, I've, I've heard it a couple of times about um, the, one of her great uh, devotions of Monroe uh, of, and was the Monroe Doctrine and the continuing validity of the Monroe Doctrine because she believed in it. And she, she you know, not only the Monroe Foundation and, and helping restore the boyhood home or the, uh, yeah, the birthplace of Monroe uh, with her great friend, uh, Bill Thomas, uh, her friend for decades also, uh, but also this Monroe Doctrine that had a, her, her thought was it had an impact on uh, American policy so, so profoundly. That's right, Ed. And uh, we're one year away now from the 200th anniversary of the Monroe Doctrine. And uh, we, we're going to gear up to uh, celebrate that and remind today's younger Americans of how important that is, was, and still is. I'm yeah. sorry, Helen did not make it to the anniversary, but she worked with us to preserve the uh educational programs about the importance of the Monroe Doctrine. Well, you know, I, I think, John, and I've got to finish, unfortunately, where this is, we're talking with John Schlafly as we open the program. Uh, what you need to know is America, at its best, has these incredible uh, people that come out of all sorts of backgrounds. Helen Marie wasn't particularly formally educated. She wasn't someone, in fact, her, her, her husband, I think, was a Rhodes Scholar and all kinds of things, but um, but she was someone who was deeply educated in America and its goodness and became such a leader in so many uh, dynamic ways. What you need to know is America's special because of our people like her and others. And so we celebrate her today and, uh, and all that she's uh, done. And, and uh, you know, I, I know John, you and I did spend a bunch of time thanking her for all she did for so many good folks. So I think she felt appreciated, but boy, what a life uh, she led. So John, unfortunately I'm out of time. I got to go. John Schlafly. Thank you. And we'll put up John's column this week too. I'll come around to that. Probably talk about it tomorrow. Again, but uh, appreciate it, John. Thank you. Thank you, Ed. All right. We'll take a break, everybody. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report. Back in a moment.
Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. It's time to catch up with my old friend, Janet Porter. I shouldn't say that. I get in trouble when I say old friend. Janet Porter and I have been friends for many, many years. And she, of course, is um, out there fighting. In fact, we've been playing sort of um, phone tag, radio tag, because um, the March for Life last week and a lot of things that were going on around it. And uh, Janet Folger Porter, of course, was involved there. She was honored in one of the uh, one of them. But her, her organization, uh, go to F2A org f2a.org she's the founder and president of faith to action um extraordinary successes over the decades and in particular in the last few years with regard to the heartbeat bill so welcome janet welcome back how are you thank you doing very well doing very well i'll tell you the best news that nobody knows yeah. is is not only did we see and i want to say thank you ed for your support because you know i can count on one hand the the, the groups that uh, that joined with us as we were marching up and down capitol hill with the federal heartbeat bill and eagle forum was one of them i'm just very grateful for you and for all of your support phyllis's support over the years of course but but we've got now 14 heartbeat laws and i had the privilege of recruiting the sponsor in texas the texas heartbeat law which people now know is in force that saves more than 100 babies a day more than 40,000 children each year. But here's the news nobody seems to understand. Even just this last week, the Supreme Court had yet another opportunity to try and overturn the Texas heartbeat law. But you know what, Ed? They didn't do it. They don't have the votes. Hmm. What that means? That means that even if it's not officially declared as so, Roe versus Wade is dead because Hmm. we now have a place in America that doesn't kill children. And it, whose heartbeats can be heard. That's nine out of 10 babies. Now we're going to go back and get the rest. Make no mistake about that. But right now we have a, a, a pathway to victory, which we have needed in the last 49 years. There's, there's a way to protect nine out of 10 babies in your state. And we're going to be posting the new, uh, the best, uh, best model that we have based not only on the Texas law, but also on what the Supreme Court has, has said in their arguments. We are going to release this to any state that wants it, and they now can duplicate what Texas did. We're going to end abortion. I told you that a lot, a lot uh, of you years did. ago. You, you did. And, and I have to say, um, by the way, let me say something that people, you can read one of her books. Uh, Janet Porter is an author, too. Uh, a Heartbeat Away, How the Heartbeat will, Bill Will Pierce the Heart of Roe v. Wade and the Shocking Betrayal No One Saw Coming. Um, it, it's uh, it's good it's, it, because you got, people, as they've learned about this, Janet, as you know, they say, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Right. I mean, oh, oh yeah, that makes sense. Now, um, and about the heartbeat bill, um, I want you to tell me again, because we're headed towards an election cycle where we could have a, quote, pro-life majority in the U.S. House of Representatives. Come November of 2022, we might have a, quote, pro-life majority in the U.S. House um, with a pro-life, quote, speaker. You can see what I'm doing here. The last time we had this, it was Paul Ryan. They didn't not only do uh, they didn't they didn't defund Planned Parenthood. They didn't do the heartbeat bill. What's the path for not only approving this in states, but but converting our leaders in the pro-life movement politically, mostly Republicans, almost entirely at this point in history, but not not forever uh, in the past or maybe the future to understand they got to do this? Well, um, I. uh I have a lot to say to that. And, and, and <laughs> I know you would. I, as you know, we have 100, we had 174 co-sponsors on the heartbeat, the federal heartbeat bill. And, and we marched up and down. We met with over 200 uh, members of Congress and, and we had the votes to bring this bill to the floor of the U.S. House. And I met with Paul Ryan, personally asked him, will you bring this to a vote? And his answer was, as you know, no. Um, they, uh, they chose instead 
to pass the pain-capable bill, which protects 1% of the babies, instead of the bill that protects 9 out of 10 of the children facing abortion. And so here's what I've learned in the battle in the last decade. That is, if we had done what what South Carolina and Arkansas did, it wouldn't have cost me 10 years of my life to get it through in Ohio. (laughs) They band together as a group and said, if you guys want your budget, if you guys want your other bills that matter to you, then you give us heartbeat. And I think that's what we have to do. I think we've got to get a group of the Marjorie Taylor Greens of the world and say, we will vote as a block. If you want the bills that you that your priority, then you give us these bills that, that you claim you're all for. You've been running on pro-life promises. It's time to keep them. And that's what I think we've got to do. We've got to play hardball and vote as a block like they did in, in these other states that got it through quickly. Well, and we're again, we're talking with Janet Border and I'll put up on social media the places to go to find out more. Janet, what do you say to the people that I and I saw this for the first time that say and I, Phyllis Schlafly never did this, they, but they're people are saying, oh, it's not enough. We have to ban, you know, uh, we have to ban all abortions. I mean, I know you and I agree abortion is murder. We, if we get rid of all of it at once, we would. But, you know, the fact is you're living in a world where you have to accomplish things and convert both the law and the hearts and minds. I've never seen a, a thing like the heartbeat bill do both. It, it, it is changing the law, but it's also changing the way people view uh, abortion. Now, one of the only other ways that has been so effective is on the sidewalk counseling. My friend in St. Louis, Bridget Van Means, who does an extraordinary job of saying, we're here for the the woman. And she said, I know why I'm here for the baby, but I'm here for the woman changes the way you think about what you're doing. But there's some people now that are popping up saying, Oh no, it's not enough. It's a funny moment. It's almost like we're too close to succeeding that people want to sabotage it. Well, we actually are going to be releasing this week on faith to actions website, F2A.org. Not only the model bill for the, for the fetal heartbeat bill, the Texas heartbeat bill with, with some tweaks, but we're also going to do the civil penalty. As you know, the Texas bill is different than all the rest because it allows a citizen to sue. We got to the heart of their motivation, which is money. And so when we said you owe us $10,000 if you violate this law, they stopped doing them. And so we're going to do a bill not only for heartbeat, but we're going to do a full full protection from conception right. with the civil penalty. And I say, as we've said in the pro-life movement for years, why can't we love them both? Let's yep. do both. Introduce both and uh, let's go after it. Let's let's protect the babies whose heartbeats can be heard. And then let's get the rest with the civil penalty, because that's what the court has been unable to strike down. And that's, uh, I think, yeah. our, vict- our, our pathway to victory. Well, and you know, the thing about that is that uh, I, I often tell people, I did an interview this morning morning earlier today. And I said, um, use the follow the money uh, filter, because a lot of times your filters, if you're trying to say uh, who's going to do something on principle, who's going to do something on X or Y, follow the money filter. You know, if I would be a little cynical for a second, if you watch the news right now, you'll see that lots of Republicans in the U.S. House right now are raising tons of money. Because why? Because the lobbyists believe it's time to buy up Republicans influence because they may end up in the majority. That's that's that filter. I'm not saying it's perfect. I'm saying it's real. And as you point out, that had a huge effect, that filter. Um, Janet Porters, who we're talking to Janet, one more uh, question along these lines. A heartbeat bill had such an extraordinary impact. I can picture the committee up on Capitol Hill being in the room when the testimony of the of the unborn baby was a heartbeat. And and I always think of that because Phyllis, like Phyllis Schlafly used to say that ultrasounds, 3D ultrasounds had a huge effect now with a technology. And are we still winning the hearts and minds of young people like it seemed like we were in the last five years? In other words, are you seeing more and more people say, yeah, that's that's a baby. Um, and, and the loudness of the no, it's a choice is coming from the sort of hard left, a smaller and smaller number of people, even if they have lots of power. 
You know, it's interesting you point to that that testimony because the first thing that comes to mind is when we brought in the youngest to ever testify in Congress. That was a little baby named Lincoln. He was 18 weeks old in the womb. And so what when we played that baby's heartbeat in the committee, even people who had been protesting and disruptive, the room was was silent. Everyone's eyes were focused on that baby's heartbeat. Everyone's ears were listening to it beating over and over again. And and what we noticed was even one of the protesters, somebody who was there to to, to disrupt the, the, the hearing, she was seen wiping tears from her eyes. And that's when I realized that this baby's heartbeat can reach even the hardest of hearts. And it's reaching America. That's what it's doing right now, because everyone understands if there's a heartbeat, there's life. And how heartless it is to turn your back on a fellow human being whose heart is beating like an SOS, crying out for help, crying out for protection. And those cries are being met. Now more than 30 states have introduced heartbeat bills. We're going to get them the best bill so that we can get this thing upheld in the end. Uh, and then we're going to go after, we're going to protect the rest. So right now we have, we have 40,000 children who will live in the state of Texas. It is the most significant victory since Roe versus Wade. And, and the good news is we can now repeat that victory in whatever state you live in. Come get a copy of this bill at F2A.org, and uh, you can take it and run with it. The handbook I wrote, A Heartbeat Away, is the manual on how you can get it done in your state, even with a couple of people, even with a handful of warriors. You don't have to have a big army. You can do it. It's just as long as you have people who are willing to do whatever it takes and not quit until it's done. Yeah. Again, we're talking with Janet Porter. She mentioned F2A.org. Uh, Faith to Action, F2A.org is the website. Uh, you can go there, by the way, and support her work. Um, she does this uh, by uh, raising money to be able to go around and train everybody. It's important uh, and it's been very effective. Um, one last line of questions, Janet. As I've had last week, um, uh, a bunch of folks on that were uh, pro-life activists and involved in the uh, in the March for Life. I heard more and more that Planned Parenthood is shifting to mail-in abortions and the FDA under Biden has allowed chemical abortion drugs to be sent. How do you see that playing out? What's your sense of this? Uh, it certainly is a chemical warfare on, on children in the womb. But I, I'll tell you, I just actually this morning communicated again with our drafters of uh, tweaking this bill to make sure it's the best it can be. And in the bill itself, in the heartbeat bill, the model that you can get at F2A.org has in there that a, a before you administer any abortion drug, whether it's chemical, whether it's surgical, you have to test for a heartbeat. It's a requirement in all of the heartbeat bills. And so what that means is you cannot go out and just start giving Plan Bs and RU46 and, and mailing stuff out because you required you are required to test for a heartbeat before you administer an abortion drug. And that's where we're going to get the rest of these children huh. wow. who are being killed at very young ages. Boy, oh boy, I'm glad I asked you, Janet, because that was that, that's that's really helpful to me. Because uh, as I've been talking to uh, some of the folks that do, I mentioned Thrive uh, St. Louis, uh, Bridget Van Means is my great friend and inspiration. They do sidewalk counseling, and she said we're adjusting now to do digital counseling, right, and all this. But that's a very practical legal uh, mechanism. So that's yeah, great. Even last night, I I, I said I want to make sure that that is addressed in the bill, and I was reaffirmed that uh, assured that that it is in the bill, and it is also not only that we can go after the chemical abortions, but anybody who aids or abets in the abortion this is the other right, component right, that right. you can go after not just the abortionist not just the one who's doing the killing but the clinic escorts 
the receptionists, the insurance companies. And you know what? When these Uber drivers say, I'm going to drive you to get to get to the airport or drive you out of state for free. You know, we're not going to go after people that don't know what they're doing. They're just getting a ride. And you don't know where they're going. But the right. people who knowingly proclaim this is what I'm doing. I am aiding and abetting in the taking of a life. Then guess what? Um, they are open for a lawsuit as well. Yeah. And and we're going to we're going to go after them. And that's that's going to end the killing uh, for every child whose heartbeat can be heard. And here's something else, Ed. As technology increases, we're going to hear that heartbeat at younger and younger yep. ages. And yep. now that's another way to protect more babies, even with just this same bill. Well, it's um, extraordinary, uh, Janet, uh, to see the progress you're making, again, not only changing the law to protect uh, life, but also changing people's hearts and minds and understanding the sort of framing. Half the time, you have to change the frame, people are. And, and, and you know, the late Phyllis Schlafly used to say, the person who sets the argument, the way you argue, controls who can succeed. So uh, you're doing an amazing job. I got to run. Uh, Janet uh, Porter, again, F2A.org, F2A.org. I'll put it up on social media. Uh, support her work an organization and everything she's doing. Thanks, Janet. Thank you, Ed. God bless you. God bless you. We'll take a quick break, everybody. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. And it is, you know, one of the issues that I have that has stuck in my head uh, is and over and over it was in the news, then it went away and I thought it was solved and it is back. Uh, it's back in a big way is the supply chain. What's happening with the supply chain? And uh, about it last year sometime, I'm not sure, can't remember what month, I had Mike Kacharski on. He's the co-owner and vice president of JKC Trucking. That's what these guys do. It's a family business. His whole career is in trucking um, all across the country, based in uh, in Chicago, all kinds of uh, different size vehicles and all this. A guy who's going to know what's going on with the supply chain. So, uh, Mike, welcome back to the program. Thank you for coming on. Ed, thank you for having me back on. Thank you. So, first of all, most people don't even know what the supply chain is, right? The supply chain is, well, I want to go to the store and get my bread and go home. I mean, if you were to describe it, how many sort of pieces come together in the supply chain? I mean, how would you describe the complexity of it? Um, So to give you a a quick crash course, it would be the manufacturing is number one. So whatever supply chain, let's say we're talking about food food supply chain. So manufacturing of the food would be the first part. Uh, the second part would it goes to uh, storage distribution. Right. Uh, third, the third part is uh, the transportation to its final destination to, let's say, a distribution center of your lo- local grocery store, uh, and then from there it hits the stores or distributed directly to restaurants. Right. Does the uh, Mike does the in a normal um, setting and like is the supply chain? So let's just say gas prices go up. Just one thing. Mm-hmm. Um, that's going to change lots of things, but does it really affect the supply chain? It's going to change how much money you can make and how many, uh, you know, your business, how you can afford to do whatever. Is that, I mean, is there one aspect of the supply chain that is sort of more pivotal? Is it the Chinese are bringing in stuff and it's slowed? Is it the ports are overrun? Is there one thing that's more pivotal than the other? Um, so there's no one answer. There's, there's a, a couple things that are causing this to, I think I might have lost you a little bit. I'll see if you get you back. Um, we're talking with Mike Kucharski and his uh, he is uh, uh, the uh, 
uh, in the field. I was just looking a lot of his a lot of his vehicles uh, are refrigerated vehicles, which means he's on the front lines of the supply chain of food. Um, you don't get to uh, do the food. You know, you, you refrigerated means you're bringing in things that are perishable. So you the time the same. Yeah. Hey, I, well, I lost I lost you for a minute, Mike. I'm sorry. I was just saying that your your background, especially is uh, in the um, in the refrigerated, which is a big, obviously big impact in uh, in in supply chain because you can't mess around. If it's slow and refrigerated, you're going to lose your product. Correct. Correct. So uh, our, our biggest struggle is, is, is you know, uh, there is simply not enough capacity. And what I mean, that is, is, is truck driver capacity. You know, the the biggest you know, kink in America's supply chain is, is, is not enough. Number one, truck drivers, we're a historic truck driver shortage. And, and two, we're a historic labor shortage hmm. at, at distribution centers, warehouses, production it is only adding to the supply chain bottlenecks. You know, this is, these are the ripple effects caused by the, the shutdown of the economy. Is it, um, it but they'll talk about how there's, so there's lots of jobs. Are there not people that want those jobs? I mean, how do you characterize it? Is it people that don't want to work in that line of work or, and they're staying home because they've got some benefits or, I mean, why are we suddenly, because I think they list unemployment as, I don't know, 4% or 3.9, which is sort of full employment. People, if you want a job, you can get a job. I mean, what are we missing? Because inflation's up, costs are up. Things are not, I mean, doesn't feel like the you know, stock market's down. I'm not sure that matters to the normal person, but too much. Uh, but what is it that's stopping people from taking those jobs? So, uh, yeah, a couple of things. Uh, number one is there's a wave of retirement of drivers uh, due oh. to being an older generation. You know, truck drivers uh, 45 and older are 42 percent and, and oh. drivers 55 and older are about 20 percent. You know, wow. Uh, so that's the number one thing. And number two thing or kind of goes with number one. Drivers are fed up with over regulations and quit uh, because we are over regulated as a as an industry. It's yeah. crazy. We're constantly looking over our shoulder every state we go to every county we go to. You know, uh, every state law enforcement looks at drivers and, and harasses us because, you know, everybody's trying to make money, you know, I mean, uh, give us a ticket uh, to to generate money. And uh, the regs, the new regulations, I was a service have, have really slowed everything down that I really think should be completely rehabbed. Uh, the drivers keep telling the government that they should give more hours and they're saying no. But the, the new problem that we're having with, with drivers, you know, we had a, the the pay has skyrocketed, you know, because we're all fighting for the same drivers. So the drivers now work less and make the same amount of money. That's another problem that's happening. Um, again, we're talking uh, with Mike Kacharski. He runs a, a family business, a big business, uh, JK, JKC Trucking, um, uh, all over the country, based in Chicago, all over the country, delivering stuff, uh, a lot of refrigerated. And uh, the perspective here is on the supply chain. Um, does the, uh, what is it? Oh, I don't want to ask you that protest in Canada. Mm-hmm. I've, all, I've often thought this, that if the truckers all got together because their trucks are so big, right, they could mm-hmm. sort of shut down the roads. I, has that has that tradition of, of these protests by truckers? Is that something that's gone on before? We don't see it in America. I, I don't I wonder why. Uh, we, but is, is it effective or what's going on here? We see it kind of during the beginning of the pandemic. Uh, truck drivers were processing outside of D.C. and the U.S., because what happened was uh, volumes dropped and everybody was fighting for the freight available and it went to the lowest bidder, which is really killing a lot of trucks. At one point I had a, I had a park trucks and yeah. So anytime there's going to be a big truck protest like this, especially like Canada, which is a huge trading partner with the U S it's going to affect 
all of us, Canadians, Americans. You know, it, it doesn't make sense anymore because, you know, the U.S. dropped the COVID mandate. Well, it's supposed to be dropped, right? Uh, and uh, Trabal has decided that, you know, everybody coming, coming across the border has to be vaccinated. And, you know, the U.S. is kind of just, okay, we'll do the same thing, follow Trabal's lead, which, you know, I, I don't think is, is great because when it happened, I think they've been taking drivers off the road maybe a week ago. You know, if you go on YouTube, you see all these videos of these Canadian drivers, you know, you know, talking what's happening mm-hmm. and, and the, people are going to see, you know, that you, you thought your shelves are bare now and you're paying a lot for goods now. It's going to be really bad. It, this is just going to amplify the issues. We're already short. We're going to be even shorter. Uh, we're talking again, Mike Kacharski. He's the co-owner and vice president of JKC Trucking. Um, more than 30 years he's been in the industry. His uh, business, JKC, has uh, hundreds and hundreds of trucks all over delivering and and uh, and uh, going through the supply chain. So, um, Mike, what's the solution? Uh, and, 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 and when I say that, I mean, when they show the images of the ports backed up, for example, or mm-hmm. the fact that you can't get your trucks into the ports, uh, you know, efficiently enough because of the way that ports are or the, they're not allowing drop off of empty uh, uh, containers or whatever. I mean, what, what is the solution? And is there a reason why there's not been more leadership? I mean, it, it feels like the president or the federal government could, I don't know, wave regulations, change things and, and, and sort of bl- break the log jam. Is that what am I missing that? Or what do you think? Yeah. So the government has always made these mandates and these rules kind of, in my opinion, without checking with the drivers, they always said this is for safety, but when they put an implemented a rule, it never worked out that way. Actually, sometimes like our service, we were supposed to come back to 11 hours a day. It was supposed to save hundred thousands of lives. And it didn't actually cause more, more, more issues because drivers are, are racing the clock. You know, I've always been saying during all these interviews, you know, that the, the government or anybody from the government, you know, I would love to sit down with them and, and, and explain to them and educate them, tell them, tell them what we need as truckers or other truckers, you know, also to tell them what we need from the government to get this going again, you know, to get this economy roaring again, to get us out of this, 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 this black hole, this black hole COVID. COVID has cost, you know what I mean? And then you ask about the, the ports, you know, the ports, the great question, you know, we need to, especially the, the port of Long Beach, that, that port needs to be rehabbed completely. Um, it's an old port. It's way over capacity. We need to, you know, expand that port, make it, you know, streamline things to going in and out because the old system is not working. You know, we need to invest money, you know? Uh, so, I have a, a short list of, of call to actions. You know, number one, I would say, you know, lifting the hour service or extending the hour service so drivers can drive more. Bringing the regulation back what was previously three to four years ago, I think would be huge because drivers could drive more. They have a little bit more elasticity. I think it would be it, it would good. It wasn't broken back then. You know, I think it would, it would work. Two, you know, we need to deal with the shippers and the receivers. They must be more efficient in loading and unloading the trucks. You know what I mean? So you, you, there's a lot of talk about this now. You see on a on a, a TV that, you know, they're talking to truckers and they're saying, oh, you know, it takes us a long time to get loaded and we don't get paid for it. Yes. So that's what I'm talking about there. Three, let's say uh, shippers and receivers you know, to extend shipping and receiving hours and to be more elastic, you know, uh, having a narrow window in the middle of the night to deliver the product during a pandemic is not working. You know, right. it, it, they, they need to be more elastic. It's, it's just ridiculous. They don't, extend this that that's 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 that would be huge and the long game you know would be to to lower the driving age which is which they're starting to do which is i think is great because we need more 
people in the industry, you know, more drivers. Yeah. And, and, and an infrastructure bill, you know, to, and when I say infrastructure, infrastructure bill, you know, that means that has a lot of definitions uh, depending who was talking about it. But to me is to confirm that money is dedicated and spent for transportation. When I mean, you know, transportation over the road, what we do rails ports first, before we spend it for other things, because every day, every year, there's more and more people in America. You know, it's yeah. crazy. They're trying to estimate like in 2030, there's going to be so many people. Mm-hmm. I know that's cut back because, you know, people have passed COVID, which is very sad. But at one point, they, the population will still be going up. Right. Yeah, it's uh, well, thank you, Mike. I'm sorry I'm out of time, but it's uh, I'm going to put up uh, some of the things I've seen on this uh, and highlight it. We'll have you back again. It's uh, you're right. It's a topic again, uh, trusting Washington to focus on what's actually needed, you know, uh, ports and roads as opposed to pork and uh, handouts is a different problem we have. But uh, um, we better run. Uh, Mike Kaczerski, we will put up on social media. Great resource uh, for this topic. Uh, he is, again, co-owner and vice president, JKC, tr- uh, JKC Trucking uh, and out of Chicago. Um, and appreciate it very much, sir. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your support. All right. We will take a break, everybody. We'll come back. Don't forget, I put over on, on ProAmericaReport.com, ProAmericaReport.com, all of these great interviews. And you can follow up there and uh, track down, listen again, and rewind. So uh, ProAmericaReport.com, check it out. Uh, we'll take a break and be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the ProAmerica Report, back in a moment. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. Mrs. Schlafly was a courageous and articulate voice for traditional values and common sense for more than 70 years. And now, from the archives of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, here is Phyllis Schlafly. There are many ways that America is a very exceptional nation, and today I'd like to remind you of a few. First, we are blessed with the great advantage of geography. The Atlantic and Pacific Oceans protected us from invasions and war in our early years so we could grow in population and strength. Second, we have a good system for choosing our leaders and have been able to move from one regime to the next without bloodshed for over two centuries. Many other countries change their rulers only by murder or war. Third, we have civilian control of our military in contrast with many other countries where the military is usually the ruling clique. Fourth, our people have learned to accept a uniform rule of law, so we solve our disputes by law instead of by fighting. Fifth, our rich farmlands and abundant rivers make it possible for us to feed our own people. Many other countries cannot even do that most essential task. Sixth, we have abundant energy sources, and American ingenuity is discovering more all the time. With the new discoveries of oil and natural gas resources, America may have the great advantage of becoming energy independent within a few years. Seventh, because our founding fathers created a unique system based on the belief that our individual rights come from our creator rather than from government, and set up a system of government that was designed to bind men down from mischief by the chains of the Constitution, we have preserved individual liberty to a greater extent than any other country. So, be proud that you are an American. Invite our immigrants to assimilate into our American culture and respect its value. 
Teach Americanism to your children because they are more apt to be taught multiculturalism and diversity rather than patriotism in public school. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. Our mission, clearly stated at phyllisschlafly.com, is to enable and mobilize grassroots activism on behalf of cherished conservative values. You're encouraged today to go online and read the goals we support and those we oppose. Then join us. That's phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening and come back next time for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Just got about a less than a minute to finish up. Use so much time on other stuff. Let me just finish, though, by saying, you know, we often talk about what you need to do, uh, the window here in the last segment. One thing is appreciate those around you who have been so good to you. Uh, as I talked earlier in the program, Helen Marie Taylor, who passed away on Tuesday evening, uh, 97 years old, a great life, but she was wonderful. And I'm really grateful in the last couple of years, I had the chance with some others to thank her uh, for everything she did. But I don't know if everybody does that and gets that lucky and gets that blessed to do that. So uh, the ones you love and the ones who've been good to you, remember to find time to... Um, to tell them uh, that you love them and to thank them. And uh, at the worst, make sure that you're simply uh, thanking your uh, the people you love uh, for all that they do for you um, in your prayers and in your thoughts and in uh, gra- gratitude. So uh, I'm really kind of uh, mixed on this. I feel bad because I loved spending time with her. She was amazing, but also she lived a good life and uh, she's with the Lord. So, all right, everybody, we'll be back tomorrow. It's Ed Martin here in the Pro-America Report. Thank you to Noah Dingley, our great producer, Joanna Spilger, for keeping us on track. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow. Talk to you then. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs>